Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. It's a beautiful thing to know our position before a Lord who is perfectly balanced, full of truth and grace. We continue on with our sermon series, I Believe. What we believe matters. Our key beliefs, they mold our hearts, they determine our behavior, and they change who we are becoming. Amen? Solomon said, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Our key scripture for this 10-week series is Luke 6 and 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. From the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We're studying 10 different subjects about the core beliefs of Christianity. We've studied God and how he personally cares for us. We've studied salvation. And last week, Levi did a great job of talking about the Bible and its authentic way that it should mold our life. This week, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects. If, if I could, could nail down one of my favorite themes, this is it. The identity in Christ. Our key question this morning is, who am I? I want you to think about, just for a second, you had a response in your mind. You had an answer. It, 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 it rose up to the top of your mind. I want you to keep it there. Keep that answer, that first answer, in your mind fresh as we go through this sermon. The key idea this morning is I believe I am significant because of my position as a child of God. This morning, I want you to look at the person sitting next to you. Look at the person sitting next to you just right now. Go ahead. Turn over. Look at them and say, I am significant. You ladies, come on now. Look over at each other and declare, I am significant. There we go. I'm important. I'm somebody because of whose I am. It's not my title. It's not the size of my wallet. It's not my financial portfolio. It's not my popularity. It's not my house. It's certainly not my car. And it's not my standing as an athlete, as you might well know, or my children's standing as an athlete. It's Simply because, Jack, I am a child of God. The key verse this morning is John 1 and 12. You see, John starts writing his gospel, his first book. And as he writes this book, he wants us to realize and see the identity of Jesus Christ. And he starts talking about how Jesus, how Christ is God. And how Jesus was the Word. And how He created everything. And how He's in all things. 
And then everything that exists, exists because Jesus created it. And then he gets down to verse 12, and he gives you your identity. Yet to all who did not receive him, to those whom believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. He gives us the right to become children of God. John's trying to explain to you Christ's identity, and then he tells you our identity. We have the right to become children of God if we will just claim it. The sermon outline this morning for you note-takers sitting mainly on the back row. Number one, a change in the name. Number two, the inheritance. And number three, the life to be lived. Number one, the opening thought is one of the biggest problems in Christianity today is we have lost our identity. That is one of the biggest problems in Christianity today. Psychologists tell us to be mentally and spiritually healthy, we must feel loved, have a sense of purpose. We must feel secure. We must feel significant. And we must have a sense of belonging. And this morning I submit to you that all these things can be found if we're in Christ. Amen? You guys know this guy? Some of you just giggle, just looking at his face. Jeff Foxworthy, a southern-born comedian, realized early on in his career that people had a real issue with recognizing their identity. And he started uh, some of the, most, the world's most famous one-liners ever. And they can be recognized all over. Let, let's go through a few of these. And as we go through a few of these, you finish the one-liner for me, okay? Are you ready? Let's have some fun this morning. If you have ever cut your grass and found a car, if you've owned a home that's mobile and five cars that aren't, this one hit a little close to home for me. If you own a boat that has not left the driveway in 15 years, if you were shooting pool when your kids were born, If your wife's hairdo has ever been ruined by a ceiling fan, you might be a redneck. If you have flowers growing in a commode in your front lawn, you might be a redneck. If you ever hit a deer with your car, now wait for it, deliberately, as a food source, you might be a redneck. Foxworthy realized he might be onto something years ago. He was playing every little, every little hangout, every little dive, every community center. And one night he found himself in Detroit, Michigan. And he's telling this routine. And a guy from the back says, Hey, you're in Detroit, Michigan. We don't have any rednecks here. 
To which Foxworthy brilliantly replied, You're in a bowling alley that has valet parking. You might be a redneck. One of our biggest problems in Christianity today is we've lost our identity. You see, many of us have gone somewhere else to be loved, somewhere else to have purpose. We've gone somewhere else to find our security. We've gone somewhere else to feel significant. We've gone somewhere else and made a terrible, terrible mistake of going other places for our belonging, to feel like we fit in and we belong. Can I tell you this morning, you belong here in a community of saints that love you. You always belong with us. We need you. We love you. In Christ, that's where we can find our true fulfillment in life. Number one, a name change. How we identify ourselves matters. God knows this, and because of this, he's been changing names throughout history from the beginning of dawn. Let's look. Abram, high father, he changed it to Abraham, father of many. God wanted Abraham to identify with God's promises that he had for him. He wanted his family to remember Oh, yeah, his name used to be Abram, but now it's Abraham, the father of many. He wanted them to remember the promises of God. How about his wife, Sarai, my princess, to Sarah, mother of nation. He, he wanted those women to realize God's working through us and making marvelous miracles happen through us women. I mean, Sarah... She names her son what? Isaac, which means, anybody? To laugh. It means to laugh. Why? Because she was almost 100 years old when she gave birth to him. What a miracle. God working through them to give them promises. And he wants them to identify with God and his promises. Jacob, the heel grabber, the one who trips up others, turns his name, God turns his name to Israel. He struggles with God and perseveres. Isn't that what Christianity is all about? Struggling with God and our faithfulness to God, and God always perseveres. God always has his will, right? Isn't that what Christianity is about? Being faithful? I always think of of uh, Mother Teresa's famous line, God doesn't call us to be successful. He calls us to be faithful, right? That's the Christian call. How about Joseph? The apostles rename him to Barnabas, son of encouragement. Barnabas understood who he was and embraced who he was, so much so that his friends renamed him to son of encouragement, Tom, wouldn't it be great if you or I had some character of Christ and we were known so well by that character of Christ, they said, hey, Keith, Tom, your name is no longer Barnab or Keith or Tom, but now we're going to call you Barnabas. Or, or we'll give you a name that reflects the character 
of Christ. How about Levi? Men attached. Levi, the tax collector, attached to the Roman political system, attached to his money, attached to the wrong crowd that he hung out with. And Jesus comes along and calls him and changes his name to Matthew, a gift of God. It's funny, in Matthew's writings, he calls himself Matthew. He now identifies with Matthew more than he does Levi, that old traitor and tax collector. Now he identifies himself as he writes, as a gift of God. I am, and you fill in the blank. If you haven't filled it in with a child of God, with Christian this morning, maybe we should. How you identify yourself is where your identity is found. When people come to my office and they talk to me about the troubles in their life, can I tell you, most of them, don't identify themselves with Christ and because they don't identify themselves with Christ they've gone somewhere else to get their identity and that always ends badly this morning as you think about who you were did you first say president vice president CEO plumber carpenter farmer Bank exec, mom, dad, athlete. Those titles in and of themselves are not wrong. They're not bad. Until that's how your first identity, where your first identity comes from. What really ought to first come to mind is, I'm a child of God. See what a great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. John gets it. John understands where his value is coming from. His feelings of being loved. Certainly his purpose, his security, his sense of belonging. It's all wrapped around God being called a child of God. Number two, the inheritance. Secondly, as believers and being children of God, we receive gifts. We receive blessings. We receive rights. So let's look at those. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God and heirs to his kingdom. Listen to Paul, what he writes in Romans 8 and 17. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul wants us to understand that we are heirs to the kingdom of God. Not just for the future, but right now. Some of you may have a little trouble with that, but let me remind you. Jesus said in Matthew 6, I believe, he, he says, his kingdom come, 
his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, he's trying to bring heaven, a little bit of the kingdom, down to earth right now. And the way we do that is understanding, Tom, that our identity is found in Christ and therefore being imitators of Christ, we bring that kingdom to earth. And and that's the body of Christ today. As believers in Jesus Christ, you are a temple of God's dwelling. We've been studying this on Wednesday nights. We just finished the study of this thought that God dwells in us. Acts 2.38 says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And we focus on that. And we talk about that a lot. But a lot of times we forget this bottom phrase, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, God dwells in us. If we are a child of God, His Spirit lives in us. Look at what 1 Corinthians 3.16 says. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that you are the Spirit and, the, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Part of your inheritance is having the Spirit live in you. The Spirit who protects you from Satan. The Spirit who guides your thoughts and directs you in life. The Spirit who Scripture tells us Praise for us, even though, even on things that we don't even know or understand, we ought to pray for ourselves. The Holy Spirit prays on our behalf for those things. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. We've talked about this before. Jesus comes to Nicodemus at night, and they start talking, sharing spiritual conversations and Jesus says you've got to be born again and Nicodemus kind of freaks out he's thinking you know I'm almost six foot something and and mama is about five and I can't know that won't work I how are we going to be born again and Jesus says you've got to be born again of water and spirit he's talking about baptism and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit it's going to change everything about you look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here Paul wants the Corinthians to stop living by the flesh stop identifying with the world and the world's idea of priorities and success and start living that spirit-controlled life can I tell you this morning if you live by the flesh and some of you think well what do you mean by live by the flesh anything that you can hear smell taste touch anything that your senses can detect are living by the flesh now that in and of itself is not bad okay I like food it's okay to like food until that becomes my top priority And when it becomes my top priority, then the next thing I know, I'm obese and I'm a glutton, right? And and I can touch and I can feel. But if sensuality becomes the top priority in my life, next thing you know, I'm either an adulterer or a fornicator. And, And I love to hear things, great music, bad music sometimes. And... But it does, that's okay until I like my ears tickled by a little gossip 
And then the next thing I know, I've ruined my life because that's all what I'm about, right? Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. One led by the Spirit. One that follows Scripture. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a member of the body of Christ. Paul wants you to know this in 1 Corinthians 12 and 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Paul wants us to remember you're now a part of the body of Christ, a family of believers. You now have a belonging. You now fit in. Jesus is, is teaching his disciples, and he's there in a room, and it's this intimate moment, and there's a knock on the door, and somebody says, hey, Jesus, your mama and your brothers are outside, and they want to talk to you. And don't try this, okay? This is probably the only part of the Bible that I know where you shouldn't act like Jesus, all right? Because Jesus doesn't go mind his mom and go outside. Jesus turns and looks at his disciple. And he looks across the room at all of them, and he says, Who are my brothers? Who is my mother? You are. You are my brothers. You are my sisters. You are my family. And do you think he really believed that? Most certainly he did because when he was dying on the cross and he looked down and he had brothers to leave his mother to, who does he leave him to? John. You see, the bond between the believers and Christ were greater than the biological bond between biological brothers do we live that is that part of our life do you look across the aisle right now and see a sister and a brother if you don't you ought to that's where you belong I think it somewhat brilliant and somewhat sad I go to a gym not often (laughs) I know what you were thinking And there on the side of the workout equipment, it says, you belong here. Brilliant, right? But it's also sad. It's sad that people will find their belonging at a fitness club. You belong in the body of Christ. That's where you belong. That's where your family is. That's who loves you. And not just phileo love. I'm talking about agape love that looks after one another. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are citizens of heaven. Philippians 3 and 20, Paul says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's speaking to the church at Philippi to remind them where they get their security from. And it's not physical security that Paul's talking about because he most likely is either in house arrest or chains okay he's probably starving when he writes this so he's not talking about physical security he's talking about spiritual security where do we get our spiritual security but I gotta tell you he's talking about the things that we really want in life he's talking about living in the fruits of the spirit this morning 
where there's love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and kindness where self-control is a day-to-day thing. Number three, a life to to be lived. This brings us a lot to a life to be lived. We have received a new name. We are a child of God. We've looked at our inheritance as a child of God. Now let's look at a life to be lived, to be lived in the identity of Christ. Because of our new identity in Christ, we are free from condemnation. Let's look at Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Those who have their identity in Christ can let go of all this baggage that weighs us down. People come into my office and they're carrying on their back. They can't see it, but I can see it. They come in and they've got these bags all over their back and they're humped over and they can't enjoy life because they're stressed out and they're worried. And most of that is because of their sin in their life. Because they don't identify with Christ. They don't find their identity in Christ, and therefore they carry all the weight on them about all the stupid mistakes they've made in life. And they worry at night, and they stress out in the daytime. And quite frankly, they're not much fun a lot of times to live with because they don't understand that they've been forgiven. They don't let go of that. Folks, we're not defined by our mistakes. That's who you were before you met Christ. Can I say that again? You are not defined by your mistakes. You are defined by being a child of God. Because of our new identity in Christ, our worth comes from our position in Christ, not our performance. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight, and 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." Jesus most definitely is talking about rest for the souls, Mike, because I can tell you, you're going to get tired. You're going to be worn out physically sometimes, okay? I'm telling you, when I leave here on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights, I am wore thin because I have poured out everything by the end of the day. What Christ is talking about is rest for your soul, rest for your spiritual healthiness, your spiritual health. Jesus is talking about about not being spiritually wore down. 
we find this rest because we believe in grace, this gift of grace. And it's not something I can earn. No, it's a gift that God chose to give me freely. Because of our new identity in Christ, we live to express who we are in Christ, not prove who we are. Do you remember the story of Elijah back in 1 Kings 18? You remember that story? You got the prophets of Baal. There's a whole bunch of them, right? And then you've got Elijah by himself. And Elijah says, I'll I'll challenge you to a contest here. If your God is real, have him light this altar with a sacrifice on it. And I'll do the same. But you go first. And so they do. And so they put the sacrifice on the altar. Put wood around it. And they start praying to Baal to light it. Well, you know the story. Nothing happens. Elijah does a little trash talking to him. Still, nothing happens. But then Elijah prays to God. And fire comes from heaven. And it burns everything up on his altar that's been soaked with water. And when he gets through with that, when he gets through with that, people don't come and go, Elijah, man, you really know, you really know how to connect with God. Elijah, you really know how to communicate with the people and, and, and get your point across. No. When they're through, when it's all said and done, Both sides start saying, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And i got to ask you this morning, as you live your life day to day, are you so filled with the Spirit? Are, Are you walking with the Spirit? Are you so changed? Do you identify with Christ so much that people say, there goes a Christian. There goes a follower of God. The Lord is God. The Lord is God, because it can't be that guy. I know that guy, but he's so different. There must be something about him. There must be another force in his life driving his actions and his love and making a difference in who he is. Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul's saying, I don't, I'm not doing this to please people or impress people. I have a Savior to imitate. My identity, he says, is found in Jesus Christ. Because of our new identity in Christ, we can focus on building others up and not tearing them down. You ever met a person that ran others down constantly? Seemed like their whole life was built around putting others down, putting others in their place. Have you ever met grown-up bullies? Man, when I thought, when, when I get out of school, I can't wait to get out of school, because when I get out of school, I'll be done with these bullies. Guess what, David? They were in the workplace. They grew up, but they didn't grow up. 
Can I tell you where that comes from? That comes from deep-seated insecurity. Those who are bullies are deeply insecure. They're trying to get their security by putting others down. But we in Christ are not like that. Look at what John says. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is, how we lo- this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence. Wow. So we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Are you reading that last line? Are you soaking in that last line? In this world, we are like Jesus. All prejudice are gone. All insecurities are gone. Our identity is found in the Lord. We no longer have to run around and put down this religion or that religion or, or, or condemn people for this and that. We don't have to look at how bad they are and how great we are because we're not. We can have confidence in who we are and our value simply because we are children of God. And when you run up against bullies, and I hate to tell you, they come in all shapes and sizes in and outside of the church. When you run up against bullies, see them for what they are, looking to find their security at somewhere else other than in Christ and please have mercy on them and share the love of God with them. So, a change in name, the inheritance, and a life to be lived. The question still remains, who am I? This morning, I want to ask the question the first time. You had an answer in your mind. Something rose to the top of your head instantly. And if it wasn't a child of God, if it wasn't Christian, then why not? If you haven't put your identity in Christ this morning... We have everything you need to repent, to confess. We've got water back here for baptism. We've got a whole crowd to confess that Jesus is the Son of God and to confess our sins that we need a Savior. Why not now? Why not today? Can I tell you, if you're, if you're a little apprehensive about, about coming forward at the invitation song, that's okay. Today I'll be in my office at 3 o'clock trying to get the second best sermon ready that you've ever heard.
and you just walk down there and come into my office and tell me I'm ready. And whatever step you need to take, whether it's to recommit your life to Christ or it's to get in the water of baptism, whatever it takes to identify with Christ, I'll be there to help you take that step. You just let me know. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.